Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. You are listening to a podcast by Pastor Eric Seepin and Pastor Andy Littleton. If you enjoy Faith Over Breakfast, we encourage you to rate it on the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, or Google Play. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Andy Littleton. I am sitting across from Eric Seepin. We are from the from Mission Church and the Village, respectively. And today, Eric sent me a, a very provocatively titled article about role-playing games destroying the world, or something like that. Uh, hurting. Hurting. And, uh, and then I brought up Jordan Peterson's message to churches. We talked about vacations somehow mixed into all that, and other things yeah so if you enjoy just a rambling andy and eric conversation this is a rant it's rambling there's <laughs> but uh, yeah it's this was probably a very true faith over breakfast if, yes if we were just uh sitting down at the cafe down the street eric goes did you see this this is the kind of conversation we'd have so yep. you're you're invited that's the point that's our podcast yeah we have our breakfast table conversation you're invited there's a chair right next to us it. got a bunch of stuff on it but we imagine that's you. Yeah. Or Jesus. One of the two. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. All right, cool. Hey. Hey. So uh yeah, man. I'm first first of all, you're you're telling me about my life in ways I didn't expect. You you know about me. You're you're tracking me. Yes, somehow. I was tracking you. I heard that your wife came up to see you and she got like a blowout tire. Before wow. she got into Globe, wow! And, you, uh, your source is really inaccurate. Let's see, yeah, let's see if I can give everything that I heard. Yeah. So there's this blowout, and uh, something happens, and it's your daughter's in the car with all the dogs. Right? Okay, there you go. You got and that part. There's no cell service. That to climb up yeah. a hill. Uh huh. It's like breaking up between you and. Right. To call nine one one for a wellness check. Yeah, that that happened. But then the guy couldn't. The policeman couldn't take all of you guys, no. of your your wife and kid, because of all the dogs and luggage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you did figure out where the car was, uh-huh. and you guys were able to go down and deal yeah. with it. Yep, yep. Uh, the clutch went out. Oh, that's right. Happened. He yep. did say the clutch. I just couldn't remember what what it was. That so went yeah, so I was on the the pastors group that we're in had a retreat. Uh, well, we're in two pastors groups. Let's be honest. The yeah, broader. One well, the the, the local one, the Tucson one, one. and uh, had a retreat in Greer. So I was at that wife and daughter coming up to hang out with me a few more days there because that cabin was available the entire week. And yeah, clutch goes out in the mountains. Um, on the the road, I mean, cars just left in the road for a bit until somebody could help push it off. Really not ideal. Definitely had me concerned. Um, they were fine. It, it is fine. It is kind that. of a setting for a really bad movie, oh, you know? Yeah. Like it just starts this way. This yeah. is how the bad movie starts. <laughs> right. 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 Anyway, they were there about four hours. And then so we had to get the car towed back here. Rod had to give us a ride back to Tucson. Then we took my truck and went back, um, which we doubted whether that was the right call for a minute. But we still got a couple couple solid days in Greer. And so, yeah, the car's getting, you know. Was this the Volvo? No, this is our, our little Pontiac Vibe uh-huh. little hatchback. Yeah. It was, you know, this, the bummer 
is really just when and exactly where it was bound to happen someday. Right. Yeah. Car that's 17 years old, never had a clutch done. It's going to happen. It was, you know, when you have a standard that that happens, but timing was horrendous. It's, uh, it's better for your clutch to go than to have an automatic and have your transmission go. Well, they, they yeah. tend to be more pricey, the transmissions. So, so that's what I've always heard. And that's part of the theory. But interestingly, it sort of seems to be bearing out that because, uh, standard transmissions are so rare now mm. that, y- you know, it's, so I'm getting some quotes. They aren't done. I'll probably hear back from the shop today but parts mm. for them and replacement. There's like one used standard transmission like this in the area. Only oh, one. Okay. So you, and so you the have price a really of old it, car too. The price of it is way inflated because it's the only one. Gotcha. Whereas I think that, you know, 10 years ago there were more standards on the road and every prices are just inflated all over the place. So it's not looking as good as good as i would have hoped well i know that i on my volvo i had to rebuild the transmission yeah rebuilding automatic transmissions is no joke either eighteen hundred dollars yeah oh ours is gonna be way more than that wow for the clutch uh that's almost just what it's gonna cost for the clutch wow that's clutch shot that's That's way more than i would have expected well they did have to drop the tranny so that's why the uh, clutch, if they hadn't had to take the transmission out, wouldn't have been as bad, but it still wouldn't have been cheap. Yeah. 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 yeah it seems like, like I said, when, yeah, you would in, think in stand, my mind throughout my rule. life, it, that's been the rule. Oh, your standard but transmission learning, is going to be cheaper to fix. At that point, maybe you think about buying a different car. Well, if it's going over 1800. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And we are, but then again, what do you do with this one? We've had this one for a long time. We know exactly how it's been maintained. We've done everything exactly. else. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Uh, That's why we rebuilt the Volvo's transmission. Cause yeah. it was like, well, I know I've man. worked on this car for, you know, yeah. at that point, 10 years. So there's no point. Yeah. It's uh anyway, we're all these things get thought about car talk with Eric and Andy. That's right. That's right. So cl- cl- right now clack, what we're do we looking do? for your phone call. We'll help answer any car problems you have. Now, since my assumption, as you know, in this podcast is nobody gives a rip about our personal lives, which they you always do. disagree with. Oh, I, well. I still don't understand yeah, that. It's just a silly millennial. But we're, we're really speaking to mostly just Gen Xers, right? Who actually no. know how their cars operate? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? No, they really care about relationships. They don't care oh, about the that? content. They care about you. Oh, is that Gen X? I've yep. heard about this before. I didn't grow up with, you know, I'm... I'm not Gen X. My parents aren't Gen X. <laughs> you're just, you're, Who are these people? They uh, care about relationships. Well, there's only 20% of us in the oh. U.S. So. Well, thanks for being around, man. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. You but being one of the 20%. One of the 20%. So no, you, I, I think millennials care about relationship. People care about relationship. Your church is based on relationship. My church is based on relationship. They want to know. know about you, Andy. They care about your clutch. <laughs> they come in clutch when <laughs> I need them. <laughs> like a wrecking ball? No. I mean, oh. Oh. Well, it's happened before. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. So you sent me an article by Russell Moore about uh, role playing game. This is not the type I expected from you. But then again, I was like, I, 
he finds it provocative. Uh, well, no. And Steve Bannon and all that. So kind. the thing that caught me in the article, so you can get it on, on CT. Let's, let's just Christianity people, Today, Christianity for those Today. of you who Let's give people uh, the from actual title of the uh, article. Um, the only reason that it caught my eye to read it was its title, which is Fantasy Role-Playing is Hurting America, which I have a lot of fantasy role players in my church. I play mm-hmm. fantasy role games. My daughter's just entered a, a competition mm-hmm. with her dungeon so she that she drew so i i'm in this world i'm i'm oh, like you're, get you're the phone me. off the, yeah 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 <laughs> um so i i wouldn't normally unless a, a christianity today article they click is, they click baited you successfully they did which is pretty rare unless it's you know they're saying something about something i'm interested in so anyway i didn't the article only really starts with the premise uh-huh. of Back in the 70s, you know, there was a lot of push about how Dungeons and Dragons was dangerous and da-da-da-da. And he's saying, well, this whole fantasy role-playing thing is... What they thought was dangerous is probably not what's dangerous. It's a whole different thing. And then he goes into more about the persona of people living on the internet and playing fantasy role-playing games. When I started reading, I was thinking, oh, Dungeons, actual Dungeons and Dragons, which is a huge thing right now in our culture well yeah and i think that the the reason it was clickbaity the but i that's what you have to do to get people to read articles like now me. Yeah. yeah but the the thing he was really talking about was some quotes from steve bannon where essentially steve bannon had recognized you've got these people who like what it was a david in the mail room he described who feel like a nobody and they have no purpose in life and they go online and they become ajax the the warrior warrior. and then that can reverse back and and you can call upon those people to try to be the hero in real life yeah now the thing with bannon that seemed to come through in the article was that he doesn't he didn't care so much about them doing what was good and moral and right he was just like we can use that Right. Um, is sort of the sense I got from it. Right. And what was, and, and I, I could take that or leave it. What I thought was fascinating is just to go back to the example you gave was it was Dave in the mailroom who passes away and maybe uh, a few, a pastor barely knew him and a few people go to his memorial service. Uh-huh. D- Dave in the mailroom who is Ajax in the fantasy world has a thousand people show up at his funeral when Ajax dies and there's a you know funeral yeah. pyre and, and so in this fantasy world he is somebody and has yeah. impact in his real life. He's in this sort of mundane, you know, day after day, not a lot of connections, loner, not mm-hmm. not engaged. This is kind of a there's a large group of people like this. Oh, for sure. And and I think what Russell Moore was saying in the article when he got around to it hardly had anything to do with role-playing games. No. It really was that the Christian faith is calling people to something deeply significant. Yes. And that we should lean into that um, versus, you know, if if you don't, you might be susceptible maybe is what he was saying to, to being caught up in other stories, mm. which is a valid thing to do. I, I actually, so I... I texted you back about the Jordan Peterson message to churches, which we were talking about doing on here at some point, but I actually saw in Russell Moore's article and I here's okay. I'm guessing here. I might be wrong. 
I think Russell Moore was vaguely alluding to the Peterson piece because he spent a lot of time on dragons and fighting your dragons, which isn't really a Steve Bannon thing. And have you watched that Peterson video? I have. I've watched a few of his other ones because he gives messages to other groups of people. So his whole theme. Yeah, let's outline that real fast. So, so Peterson's got some stuff coming out on Ben Shapiro's, the daily wire. Like they seem to have teamed up. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, the theme of it is something about fighting your dragons. And so he's got these, and that's, that's the theme. And I just saw that theme running through Russell Moore's article a lot. And so he's calling young men, especially to kind of, as Jordan Peterson does, you know, get off the couch, put your pants on and fight your dragons, do something that matters. Right. And, he was in the video to churches. He's telling churches, he's essentially saying, look, you know, when I started talking about the Bible, um, what was it? 80% of the people who showed up were young men. They're hungry for this. Um, they want meaning, they want something to do. Um, so all you have to do is put a sign out there, give them three steps to take and tell them you need them to do something. And they'll probably show up, forget about, don't worry about how, cool or hip your churches just give them something substantive to do and i've seen a little chatter on whether or not that's exactly what he he doesn't talk about conversion he doesn't say he doesn't say a word about make sure they believe the gospel he just goes give them something to do now i'm actually not entirely opposed to that i think there's something to saying give people a meaningful I would say Jesus called his disciples to follow him before they understood everything that that meant, but their transformation was still critical to the process. Yeah. Anyway, I thought Russell Moore was alluding to that as well. Right. So we could work. Basically there are two, two central theses. Well, one on both of these, which is that people and they're kind of focusing a little bit more on men uh, well, the whole Dave in the mail room and everybody Bannon talked about, I mean, yeah, it's, it was mostly men, it's yeah. men, men without, without purpose, men without purpose. And so, um, I, I would argue that, you know, it's men and women without purpose because yeah. you see our culture doing this. They just go in different, in different directions, but I see the same kind of, you know, uh, just like, uh, what do you call it? The just kind of flailing that's the word i'm looking for flailing around for meaning with women like mm-hmm. it's it's there in, in well you look both. at january 6 that drew out men and women yeah that sort of narrative yeah and it's just all through like all the the touch points of our culture mm-hmm. are these places where people are flailing for for meaning like the mm-hmm. gender touch points the the political like you know touch point the the fact that men like well here so to go back to jordan peterson for just one second back to jp jp like uh one of the, <laughs> I, I jordan peterson says yeah go you know get people something to do put a sign up but the, the real issue is that jordan peterson is a charismatic person the reason people came to watch him was that he was offering something mm-hmm. compelling in a charismatic way sure and that really draws people because people are looking for fathers uh, yes. and and I and you see can't it. you can't probably the critique back to him is Jordan you can't just manufacture what you do as a I mean he's charismatic in a unique 
Canadian philosophical way. But he still cares. It still is. Yeah. Yeah. But but so who's his counterpart? Brene Brown. I mean, right. It, so these, you have yeah. these two psychologists, basically, and yeah. sociologists who are presenting mother and father to our culture in a yeah. lot of ways, encouraging us to be vulnerable. And you see the yeah. crowds oh, yeah. full of men. Oh, yeah. Full of women, you see men crying. Totally right. I mean, there's this this it draws people because they're they're not we're not mothering or fathering, and, and I think that's the problem when you go to church. Yeah. It's not that you don't have something meaningful to do. There's no mothering and fathering happen. Mm. Uh, you don't. It's very hard to come in and be mothered and fathered, right? Um, because this gets back to the whole Mark Driscoll podcast and his his statements of being a father to all these men, right? Right. Yep. Is that good? Is it, you know, like, is that the, what you should do? Is that, or is there just a version of it that's good? And a version well, I mean, you can go to first, our second Timothy and it's very clear that there are in the church, yeah. what we would call elders, not elders. Like we call some ruling elders. There are right. elders who are just, they're just more experienced. They're women elders. Well, I think they're recognized people in the, oh, you go over to their house and they're recognized. They have authority based on their age, experience, and life. Which is culturally more of the norm at the time. Yes. Yeah. And I think they're called to invest in the younger people. Yeah. Our Um, our elders of today are sectioned off to die. mm -hmm. And, I mean, that sounds brutal, but it's often very true. And there's not a sense I, I don't there are a lot of our elders who do not say you know my role is to disciple the younger the the sense is my role is to relax now mm-hmm. not from all at, for, by any means well I, I i think we go through these phases of i mean even when you're a young so you're your age usually however old that might be yeah however that old you know you've got a, a, a teenager mm-hmm. right um and many of your counterparts have younger kids, mm-hmm. and uh, what I I hear is, "Oh, I'm too busy." But your job is not just to invest in the children, but it's to invest in the people who are behind you, right. to invite them into and encourage them to invest in the people yeah. behind them. Like there's that is Christian discipleship is to yeah. invest in the younger person, yeah. and the younger person isn't oh that 17 year old. The younger person is somebody five years younger than you, right? You know that you turn around and offer yourself to, and um, create space for. Yep. Because I think all of us at some level have a mother and fathering kind of thing, and I think that's what. I, so, I agree with you. Yeah. And I think that's what Jordan Peterson offers. I think the thing I would love to hear your thoughts on this is how much people live in fantasy worlds, and how well, those are becoming reality, and how that affects all the areas of our life. So it, the you know and when what I, do we say to that? How do we help in walking that process? Yeah, when I saw the article, I thought this is tailor-made either for one of... It's either tailor-made for you because you're the one that's like, no, because I love fantasy worlds, or it's tailor-made for me because I'm like, yeah, these are weird, man. I don't get it. Right, um, which is probably neither of us. But not yeah. exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have, to, just to be honest, I've never played a fantasy role-playing game online or offline in my entire life. Not one time. Um I don't even know that I have sat in on one ever. So that's, that's me. So it's, it's an interesting thing to talk about. I, to me, I've been very intrigued. You, you remember when Paul Vanderclay came to town? I, I don't know if you were, remember some of these conversations, but I was just extremely intrigued 
that these online conversations that he's having, these long form YouTube conversations would actually, that people are actually in time and space getting together because of them. Right. And I, to me that I went seriously. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe there's some value to this, right? The same, the same sort of mild epiphany happened to me at another retreat we were on where some of you all were talking about role-playing games online and the fact that, you know, you were meeting people and kids were getting to know each other. This was us and some other pastors. And so I was just going, okay, I'm going to crack my mind open to the possibility of this. So that's where I am. Hmm. Um, I've, I've, it's to me it's a foreign land yes yeah. do you do you follow at all andrew jones uh there was a baseball player on the atlanta braves back in the day named andrew well, I, jones i have I, I don't know who that is okay so he's like the leading person in the metaverse sure. has been since the or late 90s okay maybe i've heard um, an interview. I will, he's an he's a he's he's a missionary actually travels all over the country oh interesting. yeah i will he's he used to have a blog called the tall kiwi or the big tall kiwi or something that anyway, sounds vaguely familiar yeah he's connected yeah. he was he's like the link between the new reformed and the emergent like so he never went over to the emergent uh-huh. and he never went over to the new reformed would you say he was emerging no he would for people who cared 10 years ago these terms mattered a lot they probably did but yeah now they don't no i would not say he's emerging i would say he's a he's one of the godfathers of the whole movement yeah. on either side but anyway he i mean he's lecturing all over europe on this kind of stuff right yeah. now and it's a big deal, ministry in the metaverse, uh-huh. um, living in the that yeah. world, and it's with uh, wow. I, I cannot go there. Okay, <laughs> but but anyway, I, I you're not getting baptized in the metaverse. No. Yeah. Uh, but it's there, and people are going, and they oh, yeah. ha- and they build very deep, intimate relationships yeah. with one another. I don't think they're this. And so I've been thinking a lot about: Are they the same as a relationship like between you and me? Even when you think about playing for say. Dungeons and Dragons. If you and I were sitting here and there's six of us and we're on an adventure, this relationship and like stuff is happening with our brains and we're we're we have more than just a fantasy together. But when I go online and live in the metaverse, I don't have the same right. brain kind of Which, reaction. And this is very much what Stranger Things is about, right? I mean, it's exactly Dungeons sure. and Dragons begins happening in the real world. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't know. I, I I think it's scary to me because relationship matters. Jesus is earthly. I think it's part of this movement that we've gone towards a complete disembodiment of ourself. Mm. Like so, it's 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 almost the full platonic. Like I am not like my body. I am except, this thing in this other world. Except get this. So a buddy of mine he was being court. He didn't take the job, but he was being courted by an esports company to do physical fitness for their players. Uh-huh. Um, because people who do esports were starting to realize they were becoming famous. And when you become famous, people see you. Uh-huh. And when you're an athlete, you're supposed to be in shape. Right. And so, yeah, he, he almost got a job <laughs> helping do physical fitness for esports stars. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, it all comes back around. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're like Dustin in Stranger Things, you got to shed a few pounds if you're going to ride your bike and chase after Vecna in the Upside Down. Right, right, yeah. That I don't know anything about that. I didn't watch Stranger Things. Well, yeah. If you're if you're all about 
role playing games. You better I'm get not. into it. So that's the thing my daughters and others are. Um, um, but no, no, sorry, I completely derailed. Right? Well, no, our, our bodies. Yeah. I think I think it's true though. I think I was saying this on another different podcast, but the idea that we have been like our theology has become disembodied. So we that's why we don't have a strong message to people who are thinking about abortion. Don't, mm-hmm. We don't have a strong message to those who are wrestling with their gender because we as a church have bought into a very platonic, we're going to heaven, like spiritual, like yes. we're trying to become a spiritual being and not realizing that our physicality is part of who we are. Um, and yeah, and it's part of bearing the image of God. And though it is a tent that will, we will leave it is a tent that we will resemble like we, we will yeah. be physically resurrected like right. i think with the physical resurrection is sort of this side note we're all like, yeah jesus rose from the dead and we're going to be resurrected physically okay good that's nice people recognized him he ate food yeah that's all very um important yeah so i mean yes he went in and out of rooms but he also held spoons and mm-hmm. started fires and you know I don't know, maybe he never held a spoon. I don't know what you know, their utensils yeah, were. Yeah, it's more like maybe like a flat stick of some form. Or a, a knife. I mean, I think everybody just I think there were knife. knives. Lots, yeah. of, lots of steel things. Steel, yeah, that's right. He was a carpenter. He may have had a whole wooden set of, of you know. Yeah, I mean, the Chosen he, the he chosen cast it. him as like always carrying his carpentry tools everywhere. <laughs> right. I have a feeling. Yeah. I don't think people had their own tool bags back then. I don't think so. Not, no. Not too many anyway no anywho wow <laughs> look at that disembodied tool bags yeah. um no i i agree with you that we have we are struggling so there are a couple of things we want in this life i mean there's a lot of things we want but there's a couple of things as say as a society or as a people or even as a church we want unity and we want diversity so diversity, I mean like soul and spirit or sorry, body and spirit, body and soul. We want, but, but we, we want to, we struggle to unify our diverse parts. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think you can see that in big societal ways, but you can see that within ourselves. We are a unity of spirit and body but we tend to think about ourselves as if those are two completely different things. Like I can do this with my body and hopefully my spirit's over here doing something else. Right. Yeah. And the truth is they are just absolutely intertwined. The microbiome in your gut affects the way you think, which affects the way you pray. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And your, your spirit or your soul doesn't, is not that iconography of you like you mm-hmm. you your physical form yeah. is the icon the idol of god it's the movable living yeah. image of god going so, somewhere so somebody said to me that this was really interesting i was uh in greer just just to it struck me in this similar way uh there was a lady working at a coffee shop was buying coffee right as we were about to leave and she said oh you were in the restaurant yesterday I said, yeah. And she said, yeah, you were there with, with a couple ladies. I said, yeah, my wife and daughter. And she just said, she said, yeah, I remember you. Um, you just have a very kind face. Aw. Okay. You have a kind face. Or something like that. Yeah. And I went, 
oh, thanks, you know? But there's this, I had no, you know, no interaction with this person. Right. And you realize I left a major impression on them yesterday having no idea, having no interaction, just because they looked over and that's what they got. And the reverse happens all the time, right? The mm-hmm. the scowl or what? Oh, um, but but yeah, that's there's a there's an encounter between two human beings that's just purely about the physical experience, right? I I'm, I glanced. I didn't even remember. I didn't notice her. I didn't see her, or I didn't remember it, right? But uh. But she thinks kindness. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, I mean, and there, that kind of puts forward the idea that your physical body—that's what I'm getting—means something. Yeah, right. And it, it it communicates love. It communicates kindness, gentleness. Um, it it is a it's the vehicle with which God presents Himself. So yeah, yeah. No, that's I. I I don't know, I, it just strikes me like where we're going scares me a little bit about how significant a fantasy world kind of um, personhood can become to you because you you're more powerful. You can go kill the monsters. You can, mm-hmm. you know, you you your friend like the the you don't like true life struggles are easier to overcome. Right. They're, yeah, and you can just try again yeah i mean not that you can't in life but you try again with no consequence yeah there's no consequence to trying you can do terrible things and then the next character can be super good right you can just sort of flip-flop and try it on for size right i I always think so my daughter plays you know versions of these things but with it always strikes me with money where she goes oh all i have to do is earn a little more money and i can make uh, my cousin a house and I go, you achieved all this in what, 30 minutes? Right, right, yeah. And yeah, you know, and and I think to myself, I'll go, well, okay, at least in the game, houses aren't just like popping out of the character's face, like house, you know? Right. At least that didn't happen. That's, at least there's some resemblance to life in which there's work, but the work doesn't, you don't get exhausted, you can there's no boss you just it's you know in 30 minutes you own it you make enough to build a house is that is that helpful to learn or is that would it be far better for the kid to go out and rake the yard and get 85 cents and go whoo for me to get a pair of shoes i'm gonna have to do this 200 times boy you uh, only pay your daughter 85 cents to rake the yard we should probably talk about that (laughs) she's never raked our yard which is why i don't have a good number she picks up the dog poo Uh, that's pretty funny yeah Yeah, no i i mean it's not going to change that's the thing it's not like so what is the answer as a community like yeah we can can complain about that all day the community of god has to be more enticing and more attractive than the community of World of Warcraft. Well, and I think that's where Russell Moore ended up landing, right? And it, so so how do we, how do you do that? I mean, so I, I will say, I was in a conversation just the other day where I thought something deeply spiritual is happening right now. 
This mm-hmm. is important. Like I felt that connection to that mm-hmm. and still think it was. I still feel like I was living life. It was not just a conversation over food. There was more going on. This this was deeply important. I personally have that sense about what I do. Do you, I mean, I think you have that. Sure. How do we transmit that meaningfully in such a way that it eclipses role-playing games or, or where they become just... Just role-playing Just games. all that they are, yeah. Um, well, I think, th- I think what we usually think is, okay, well, what is... Jordan, like if you take Jordan Peterson, oh, we all have to be like Jordan Peterson. Okay, so he offers this very... Uh, intense Jungian deep interpretation of scripture that draws a bunch of young men archetypal stuff so we start thinking oh we have to have this heavy duty stuff from the pulpit or we have to have this heavy duty kind of teaching through our community you could do that I don't know if that's I I think the thing it boils down to the very beginning of our podcast relationship it's all about relationship and doing something meaningful together like but I think the problem that I see with churches nowadays is that they say, okay, well, the meaningful thing we're going to do is a mission that comes out of this church. Like we're going to go help our neighborhood or we're going to go do this X thing. And I think all those things are parts of the church or we're going to go be evangelists. But the actual coming together and being a people embodying the church who is the representation of God and where the spirit dwells and where like being part of that has to be the thing. Uh Like the, the, all those other things are just little outcroppings of, of the beauty of the worship of Jesus. Sure. And the, the place where you can feel the sense of the adventure and know that you are on one in your ordinary life. Right. Like that your ordinary life becomes an adventure. Right. You know, the raising of your children becomes an adventure. The the building of a space where you can invite people into both in your church and in your home is the adventure. Yeah, and do you go on adventures deep into, you know, other countries to offer the gospel or to go help physically? Yeah, because that's what you're commanded to do and that's part of the church to take care of the widow and the orphan and to bring the gospel forward. But it happens as the church and all of the things like true reconciliation doesn't happen when you and I actually go out in the streets and do stuff. It's when people come in and Greek and Jew have to deal with each other. Sure. That's when reconciliation happens. Um, and then they model it. That's the hard stuff in the world that like, like if you want to do something significant, that's difficult to do like a reconcile. Right. I mean, yeah, you can go, you can go shoot a guy. That's simple. Yeah. Reconcile. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. Reconciliation is hard. Um, and I think the longer you are with each other and it's, it's, it's you become, you hurt each other and you, mm-hmm. you have different visions and missions. And so you have to learn to, to actually live life. And that's an adventure to me. It's, but it's a hard one. I think the fantasy life is easy. So how do you make this? How, how do you convince people to do the more difficult less glorious feeling version they gotta fall in love with jesus yeah and i think we sometimes try to get them to fall in love with a lot of other things yeah instead of jesus we don't present jesus he's either an intellectual kind of thing that we keep trying yeah. to paint and draw or he's 
an exciting kind of token that sure. we kind of <laughs> worship so that he'll get us the thing that we want. Speaking of which, I, I just read a book that some of our folks might find interesting. It was recommended to me on my lot on the trip to Chicago. It's with a guy who works for a publishing house. And he said, you know, I stumbled on our most underrated book that I love. Anyway, it's called My Imaginary Jesus. Have you heard, th- heard of this? No, I haven't. Um, it sounds interesting. Yeah, it it sounds okay, and the cover looks bad or mediocre. The book is really interesting, um, and so it, uh, yeah, it's getting at some of this stuff, like all the various. Um, it's a hard endeavor to do what he's trying to write to like peel back what's not real and what's real tough, but he he does a good job of navigating through it. Um, the, so there's the, the, the Jesus he deals with the most is, uh, he's, he's kind of, uh, from another time, but also super comfortable to be around. And, uh, he bike rides with him through Portland and understands when, when he's a little bit, you know, skittish about getting involved in stuff. This Jesus is like, yeah, me too, man. That's kind of weird. And just, you know, that's his favorite version. At some point, the Apostle Peter um, bursts in, grabs him, and bangs his head against a window and declares him false, and that Jesus goes running through the streets of Portland. It's all... And and, and a chase <laughs> ensues, and all these other imaginary Jesuses start cropping up. It's interesting. That is really... That's really <laughs> fascinating. Um, anyway, so if you want to... But, but that book did get me thinking about the the ways that we've tamed Jesus often that don't help us out. They, they just leave us in our, yeah. In our, the space we want to be in really. That makes sense. Anyway, there you go. Free, free book tip of the day. Free book tip of the day. It could be our new thing. And now for the free book tip of the day. Yeah. We're, we're not, we're not a high tech. Uh, podcast we can't have sound effects that's that was a sound effect yeah that's true well i feel like this podcast went somewhere it was somewhere was gone yeah and then it went somewhere has went well i think yeah, this is sort of the things to think about and it's things to worry about i don't know if i worry about but i i'm i'm concerned yeah um plenty of reasons to be concerned i think i've i've hit this point where you know i planted the village in the early or the late 90s that's when I started doing this ministry, and even then the world was it was moving yeah. fast, right? Because you know, ninety nine and two thousand was really the big hit from the internet when it's when it's because I graduated high school shortly thereafter. Well, when yeah. cable internet really began to to take off and that kind of thing, and people had higher speed, and information was starting to fly, like things still weren't changing as fast. Yeah. And you really could say, look, this generation, my generation. It needs the gospel, and here's what it's looking at, and here's how it's wrestling with you know postmodern kind mm-hmm. of viewpoints, and and things were moving along, and they felt fast to everyone else, but they were relatively slow compared to the last fifteen years, twenty years of our culture. Right, it's just blown by in the way it changes. My daughter was telling me, you know, now that used to be that you would watch, you know, you watch the different years go through fashion. 
Yeah. And, you know, oh, that's we're now in the 90s. She said that happens now every couple months. So it's oh, you're in the yeah. 80s, then you're in the 90s, then it's, you're in 2000s, then you're back to the 70s. Like it does. It's true. My daughter bought like 70s jeans for school, but she was feeling the 80s recently. I've been thinking the same thing about music styles. Oh, goodness. or Music. Like it used to be that everybody was listening to whatever was on KRQ. Right. Which had its downfalls. But now it's like you're bouncing all over like kids aren't growing up with a with a shared music catalog anymore no so everybody has their own curated thing they're they're all over the place i mean there's something cool about that but the, it's also very discombobulated right we're and losing it, our cultural messages and our sense our, of settled stories, stories like we're yeah. not settled in one we're yeah, bouncing yeah. between like whatever new netflix show comes out we're in that era all of a sudden or youtube channel or whatever right right or tiktok yeah yeah yes so it's things are moving fast and i think some of what the church has to do is hang on as to its stability to reference a little post i made but stay stable in the 1970s eric yes don't don't go i mean i think in a world that's constantly flying you need a place where you're like, you know what? I can go to mission and, and I'm going to recognize the people and yeah. I'm going to recognize it's being done. And I'm not there. It's not changing. Yeah. Not in a good way. There, there is a need for somebody asked me I got, during the pandemic, they'd made a whole bunch of changes. They're moving out of state. And they said, what about you? And I thought, and I went, you know, I made some tweaks, but generally i'm doing the same thing yep yep. and they were kind of like oh i thought man we probably need to say more of that there probably needs to be more of that well i think i think you know when i was growing up in high school the whole extreme movement was just starting like doing extreme sports oh yeah the and yeah, I think Extreme Days soundtrack. This is this, this is uh, kind of built into our culture now. Okay, is this constant need for adrenaline? Yeah, adrenaline hits, and then and and so it's hard for us to stay still because there's no adrenaline, there's no oh, serotonin sure. and dopamine, and so it, it's it, it's difficult. But yeah. it's actually healthy kids who grow up in stable spaces where they're not moving around and mom and dad are not always oh, looking man. for adventures and crazy actually do a lot better. Yeah. It's that, that whole movement. I wonder what's going to happen with the movement. That's just seeking adventure mm-hmm. and how, how many kids are going to look back and be like, you know, who, and their parents are like, they're going to love this. And how many kids are going to look back and be like, man, I just wish I had a house. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the thing is, is if you look at, you, you look at the patterns in general, it's not true 100% of the time, but if, if your family went on a ton of vacations when you're a kid, you probably will go on less because right. you prefer the stability of staying at home. Your kids will probably want to go yeah. on more vacations. I mean, there's just, always, there's this sort of response. Pend- pendulum swings. Yeah, yeah. That goes back and forth that way. So, you, you know. So maybe we're going to have a bunch of people who hunker down in about. I do think there is a deep longing in kids who are in their teens and early twenties to just have everything stop. It's, it's interesting. Even on our trip, Abby wanted to get back to church so bad. And there was one point on the way back where we were like, 
Is like somebody coming to church that we don't know about? Is is there a boy from school who's going to come? She's like, no, I just want to be home. Right. I I was talking, I did the little, you know, uh, nine to 12 year olds and I was talking to them because a lot of them went on vacation. And what I heard universally was about a third of the way through, they just wanted to go home. Yeah. Um, and why? Well, because it's home. It's my bed. It's it's like, I know what's going on there. And it was cool that Abby felt that way about church. Yeah. That, that to me was a good sign. I thought, huh, okay. So we actually got home. We missed the sermon. And uh, my wife's like, I can't do it. But I thought, I'm going to run over to church with her. Seems she, and sure enough, yeah, she just wanted to see some of those people. And, right. And then she's like, all right, I'm tired. Let's go. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a podcast. There it is. I think people got a little bit of a view of Eric and Andy. And yeah. and I will try real hard to post a link to the Jordan Peterson thing and also the uh, Christianity Today article so other people can they can read it and understand what we're talking about. Yeah, if they, if they so are so inclined. Yeah. yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Let's so. do it. You've been listening to Faith Over Breakfast with Pastor Eric Siepen and Pastor Andy Littleton. Please share us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you.